That's right, they're playing video games for money. And I'm definitely not going to let uh, Mass Effect in my house. The level of violence on video games. It might be hazardous to physical and mental health. Pokemon world is a world of the demonic. Then there's the argument that video games can be art. They're a world phenomenon. Welcome to episode 14 of the Hit Point Pals, where we talk about gaming news, the games we've been playing, and all sorts of sweet, succulent goodies under the sun in gaming media. How is everybody? There, see that. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know That's why I was sexy. having so much trouble with the intro. Should I pick it up now? Yeah. All right, I'm Travis Lean. I'm joined today by Will Sue. Hello. It's good to, good to have Will back. Hell yeah, it's good to be back. Uh, we've got Rebecca Markley back on the podcast. Hello. And Caleb Warwick is here once again. That's me. And I don't know why I left my inflection like that, because that you, was the you last... Sounded, yeah, that sounds like you were mad <laughs> that, was that he's here. the last person that I had to introduce. No, I wasn't mad. <laughs> I just was trying to get through uh, the intro stuff. We have a lot to talk about this week. Uh, it has been a... It has been a week... Since we Fuck. since we last talked, it's been a week full. I was trying to say it's been a week full of stuff. Um, <laughs> since we since we last spoke, there was a there was a there was a large episode of Game of Thrones um, that I think a lot of people here have some thoughts on. I have so, so many we're gonna thoughts. we're oh, gonna yeah. me too. We got we're gonna leave takes. that for the uh, we're gonna leave that for the end of the podcast. We're gonna wrap up with uh, thoughts on that. But before we do that. Um, Caleb and I have been playing some Borderlands, and there was some big Borderlands 3 gameplay reveals, as well as just kind of uh, an assortment of just bits of Borderlands 3 news that we can go through, including the uh, CEO of Gearbox, Randy Pitchford, saying that the game won't have microtransactions, and then it turned out the game did have microtransactions, so everyone was like, why did you say this? And he was like, I didn't say that! Um, and then they pull up a tweet where he said it. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, VR, on the VR front, um, Valve rolled out some new hardware, as well as teased uh, nothing. They teased a, a game, but we don't know what it is. But pre people are pretty sure it's Half-Life, so we're going to talk about that. And then uh, Oculus is also rolling out their hardware later uh, this month, so we're going to talk about why that's exciting. But first... Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> has had one hell of a week. Oh, yeah. Beginning with a trailer that, um, to put it lightly, sucked. <laughs> and then not even a week later, the director of this film announced that they were committing to redesigning the character from the ground up in response to the overwhelmingly negative feedback that fans have had about the character not even fans just people anybody with intelligence in general <laughs> hates how sonic looks in this movie um I, i'll leave it open for anyone to just come in and start with their thoughts His on this human teeth i didn't really <laughs> i didn't really like think much so when i first saw his design like what was that that first picture with this like legs or whatever Oh yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. On, on the golden. Everyone's game. like, "What the hell? Look at this calves!" Like everyone knew his design is gonna look weird, and then an image popped up like, "This is what Sonic looks like." What the hell? And then we get the actual video, and like, I mean, he looks just like obviously what they're teasing. And when I watched it, I was like, "I mean, it's not so bad." And then I saw like a 
uh someone redesigned him to make him look like actual like video game Sonic and I was like holy fuck he looks awful <laughs> there's a side by side I was like oh my god I just feel bad for the um, animators though because like I'm I'm sure there were tons of people like what the hell is this like why are we doing this because Sega was I uh, wasn't Sega behind some of the production um in Paramount I believe they were I'm not entirely sure how much of a hand they had in it but like this is like this is their baby that we're talking about Right, I mean, Sega is kind of synonymous with with Sonic. Um, the see the 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 image of Sonic was like leaked a few months ago, and at that point, mm-hmm. it, it like that was when people started to criticize it very harshly, and they didn't do anything mm-hmm. about it then. So it's like, and now they're acting all surprised with this trailer, even though it's the same Sonic. But okay, so what you, did people think about the trailer in general? I think it was really cool that they featured the classic Sonic song, Gangsta's Paradise. <laughs> Paradise. I thought that was, you know, that really took me back to the Sonic games. Um, it looks very generic. I don't know, like, it just doesn't look, the trailer's nothing exciting, really, in the trailer. Like, at yep. all. It's just really low energy. Um, I like the Jim Carrey Eggman. I'll give it. That's the yeah, only. That's like, a, that's like a third of the trailer. Yeah, I know, but it still made me excited seeing old school Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey. I was like, okay, okay, he's literally gonna Jim Carrey this movie. Well, so there's a section where uh, they introduce Jim Carrey's Eggman, and they just kind of let it play out for like thirty seconds, which is bizarre in a trailer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, none of this trailer was well put together, like, but. You know, it's like you're gonna have all these business guys being having the head of Sonic, right? And then it was like, "What the hell is this abomination of an of a character?" Does anyone want to weigh on it... like weigh in on like how how this trailer lived up to their their own expectations? What expectations uh, they I, have? My I just want to know. Expectations. Like, I've talked with oh. Travis about this, like. I was so excited, like, when I heard Jim Carrey was going to play Eggman, I lost it, because I thought, like, this is going to be so absurd looking. I was expecting the Sonic movie to be really tacky and over the top, but instead, we kind of get this, like, ooh, what if Sonic was real thing, and he's, we get, like, (laughs) it's like, why, why? Like, they made Sonic look more, well, I don't, I don't even know what to describe him as, more human-like. Jim Carrey's Eggman is not a spherical big man. It's just <laughs> it's just a guy in like a trench coat being like whatever. It's like they you, like you, they tease his bald head at the, at the, at the end the of the last, trailer. Yeah, like I, Eggman I'd rather see and it's like why if you're given the like responsibility to make a movie about a hedgehog who is blue that goes really fast, <laughs> how do you make it look boring and bad? Like I'm just I'm at I'm at a loss for words. I just I'm it was well below my expectations and I did not expect much good. Right. Do you think like they're gonna re <laughs> redirect the whole movie um before November? Nah, they're just gonna tweak Sonic. That's about it. It'll just be the same thing. That's... Oh, I don't know why they would do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Saying. I don't I've see I've never seen this happen before. I've never seen cuz people have been uh people have voiced strong negative opinions about design in movies 
in the past many times, but I've never seen a movie studio or director in this case actually respond to the negative feedback and say that they were going to do something about it, especially when this movie's supposed to come out in six months and they didn't say anything about pushing it back. He he used this hashtag gotta fix fast. So that got me like really concerned because I feel like it's just not gonna be good. Like whatever they fix (laughs) this is just gonna be like even worse than it already is. I wonder like Sonic 06. Do you you think that maybe, like, a lot of the people working on that film really wanted to, like, not have Sonic look the way he did, but higher-ups at, like, Paramount and Sega were like, no, 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 we're going to take Sonic in a new direction, it's going to be really, really cool, and then with the absolute bomb that was the trailer, now the director and, like, the, the creative staff on that is like, hey, idiots, it's not working, we need to change this, and so they're like, they, like, greenlit, like, a rapid change or something, like... I'm 95% sure that's exactly what happened. Like, that's what I was thinking. Like, there's no way, like, they wanted this to go out of the studio. Like, it doesn't look anything like classic Sonic. It doesn't look anything like the newer version of Sonic. I don't know what the... Did they design it after a little, like, (laughs) fucking possessed kid because that thing is not sonic someone like 3d scanned their cat and was like hmm, that's a, that's a, that's a <laughs> they're they're <laughs> they're humanoid cat yeah i don't oh understand how people making a movie could have it just seems like a, like an extreme case of some sort of communications breakdown or just not enough testing or i like i can't imagine making a design for live action sonic and not realizing how much it differs from the source material and then like not doing any sort of screen testing or quality assurance to make sure that this is what people are are looking for especially when it's a a, a product that has such a uh a la- a large large is large the right word i don't know it has a very dedicated fan base who are who are very vocal but that's that's also interesting because like we got the trailer to De- detective pikachu and mm-hmm. um, those like not uh, wait how far away was Detective Pikachu's trailer compared to this one? Was it like I'd say like a month, right? I think, or I don't remember. Anyways, we got that, and those movies uh, trailers dropped. I'd say somewhat close, um, and then more trailers started coming out for Detective Pikachu, and like we see the the design for Detective Pikachu and all the Pokemon, like they look like very, 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 very much like their source material but with a lot of different animations. Do you and think that like maybe the original concept art for the Sonic movie accidentally got swapped with somebody's like Sonic Animorph fan art or some <laughs> shit? <laughs> he looks morbid. Tyler. They, oh, they no. sourced him off of DeviantArt and they just picked <laughs> bad images. Man, I don't know. This okay. So this this movie has uh this movie has James Marston, which based on like as far as I can tell, James Marston is like a guy that you cast if you just want the most boring main character you can possibly imagine. And he's like okay, so and he's like a police officer. And then we talked about this William. He oh, yeah. his car says. It, what does his car say? His car says like Green Hills Police Department, which so- is a. A, a sonic staple green hills yeah and then later in the trailer we see him kick open a door in like a shack and he yells sfpd what is that what is it what is SF- san francisco san francisco Department? yeah what it, is, it why is, is he green francisco. hills did he get does, fired any, and does anyone have any 
does anyone have any predictive insight as to what the plot of this movie could possibly be? Oh, oh, wait a minute. Um, Hang on. Key thing to this. So from what we get, we just see a hedgehog that goes fast. And then the government, for some reason, is like, we detected an EMP in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, we need to have Eggman. <laughs> and then there's a scene where Sonic is in a dude's pickup and he yeah. says, I'm going to have to save your world. What is going? I feel like there's a huge thing here that I don't understand. Who? What does he mean he's going to save the world? As far as we can tell from the trailer, the whole thing is Sonic is like detonates an EMP, and then the government has Eggman try to catch him. So somewhere in the Sonic. full movie, Sonic is going to be in charge of saving the world. Sonic is the bad guy in this movie. Yeah, I feel like this is a particular case of it's a really bad move to not dish out plot details in the trailer because. Like there are franchises and stuff where where they they do that because they want to keep uh, the you know they want to keep the story and stuff a surprise. I'm thinking of Avengers Endgame right now, which didn't give away any any of the plot basically. Um, but that's an established franchise, and that's something where there's a lot of hype around it and a lot of anticipation. This is something where th this this hasn't landed yet, and we don't know what this is, or we didn't know what this was going to look like. And it would have been cool to have some sort of at least hint at what's going on plot-wise as well. And I don't really know who the target audience is for this. Like, is Me. it kids? It, it can't be kids, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. With that abomination, I don't want kids to see that. <laughs> Go home nightmares. Hmm. Um, unrelated, I looked up the location for Sonic the Hedgehog's like world, like where it takes place. And someone said, "Is the Sonic movie real?" <laughs> I, just thought it was I mean, we see in one scene, uh, Jim Carrey Robotnik in like he's talking about like, "Oh, it's our job to like catch this creature." And then we see a map, and Sonic has gone from like San Francisco up through like Idaho and into Montana, and it's like, okay, it's stretching the definition of Pacific Northwest, but you know, whatever. So. Uh, Man. Is Green Hills Zone? I think Green Hill Zone is just like in San Francisco or something, like a city in San Francisco or something. Or not San Francisco, California. What? Green Hills is a stage in like the classic Sonic games. No, no, no I mean in the movie. In the movie. Oh, yeah, in the movie it'll probably oh, be just oh, be some oh. small yeah. town out in California. And then, <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah. You're like, what? That's a level in Sonic. Yeah, I like, was what's confused. going on? Why are realities merging? Um, are people going to go see this movie? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Like, 100%. Like, I do not care if it's bad or not. <laughs> I want to see what the hell this movie's going to be. Before so before the director announced that they were going to redesign him, I absolutely would not have gone to see this. But now I just need to see, like, is it going to be all right or is it going to be a total train wreck? Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. It's like driving past, like, a, a car wreck. It's like, <laughs> this is terrible, but you, like, look out at the side of your eye or you turn your head and you're like, ooh. Interesting. I, I like, want to see what happens. Uh, before we move on, I guess just one, like on a, I guess like on a more serious note, one of the things my mind jumped to when they said that was like, we have heard so much in the past, uh, like month or so, about all of these major game studios treating their workers really poorly with this whole game crunch thing. And I just started thinking about, like, the post-production people on this movie and kind of hoping that, like, that isn't any sort of situation that they get into uh, with having only six months to rework this main character in their film. I would assume so, because I feel like just, like, worker rights 
is just not a thing that people care about as much anymore. Like, way more, more lax about it, and just, like, you know, like, union, and like, membership is just so low. Um, so, I, of course, I feel like that's, like, that, that is, that should be assumed. Yeah, especially when we're talking about VFX specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, VFX has been, like, a, a really not taken care of group of, of people historically, and there have been efforts to, like, unionize them and stuff over the years that haven't really worked. Um, that field of post-production is mostly known for, like, people work long hours and they make very little pay, and then big companies like Marvel, for, for their, like, Marvel movies, they will outsource to, like, six or seven different production companies to get all the VFX done over the course of this movie that has so many vfx shots every vfx or every shot basically is a vfx shot in these movies so um yeah a, a very uh underrepresented group of people that uh, that's what i had thought about when they started talking about redesigning the character and so i mean regardless of how much improved the redesign is like it shouldn't come at the expense of of people's health and safety is all although mm -hmm. i have no say in that i'm just yelling at the air <laughs> um <laughs> well like if that's the case though i feel like there's like no win though because first of all everyone is like upset about this so either they just follow through with it or what the director did decide to resign it so like you have this dilemma like all these people hate your design or you could redesign it in the span of six months, you know, I mean, but so they can always like, just push what, the the date back, right? The release date back. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think making the decision That's to. Right. Yeah, I mean, pushing back the release date, I think, would come with its own set of problems. But I think that would probably be the right thing to do. Because see, I think re I think committing to do the redesign was the right thing to do. But I just I to, to do it in the same time span just seems unnecessary and unrealistic yeah unless i don't know i maybe they have some weird proprietary technology that i don't know anything about and they can just do like a control f <laughs> do you do you think that like they knew that there was going to be a bunch of backlash to this design so they already had i it, think like... they they must have known but they must have mm. largely underestimated i'm it. starting to wonder because like obviously that trailer got them a lot of coverage <laughs> yeah it did so um, they could shoot. They could have already started working on a redesign like a couple months ago. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Uh, VR stuff. So we've heard about the Valve Index now, and the Valve Index has an absurd price tag. I don't. Will, what do you make of the price tag? Uh, the price tag is a thousand dollars. Yes. <laughs> That's what oh. I, I would say. Um, I, 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 it's like it's like the high end VR headset coming out, but I feel like. $1,000 is just so high. Like when the current Rift and Vive had launched, they were like 800 bucks with everything, and people then were complaining that that was like way too expensive. And here we are years later, and it's like, new headset, $1,000. And it's like... Especially since this oof. is their their first headset. Yeah, so and I mean, this is immediately really any, like, like... quality yeah, to, to know th about. This is immediately just like a high-end enthusiast thing, because in order to get this... $1,000 headset and use it, you're going to need a PC worth more than $1,000. So right. that's already like a huge barrier to entry. And it just seems like maybe, maybe it makes sense to be such a high price. Cause it is like the current and the only like really high end VR headset pushing 
boundaries, but I don't see it doing too well or being that big of a hit. Well, do you see the whole, because this has been a contentious thing in, in VR and it's why, like, it hasn't been explored by as many people who I think would like to, is the uh, high entry uh, price, mm -hmm. as well as needing hardware and stuff. Um, do you see that changing at all? Yeah, I know, um, like right now, Oculus from Facebook is doing a lot of things like they've got their Oculus Go, which is like it's a little headset that's like $200 for watching like videos and Netflix and so on. And then they've got their standalone headset called Oculus Quest. And that's that just requires just the headset and the controllers. You don't need to hook it up to a PC. It's $500. So not cheap, but it's a lot cheaper than needing like a $500 headset and then like a $1,200 PC or something. So it yeah. seems Oculus is kind of going towards getting as many people as they can into VR. Right. And I know in the VR like community, a lot of people are saying, oh, Oculus, they're not pushing like forward in this technology anymore. But at the same time, it's not much point in pushing forward if nobody's using it. So yeah, no, I, I see I see things continuing to, to improve. It seems like Oculus is really interested in getting as many people into VR and making it as available as possible and as accessible. Right. Uh, correction quickly. The Quest has a 64 gig model for 400 and a 128 gig model oh. for 500. Okay. Um, and the well, uh, let's see. Yeah, and so the lower or the lower storage one is the same price as the Oculus Rift S, which is also coming out the same day, uh, May twenty first. And the Quest is really interesting to me because it doesn't require any other hardware. So while it's probably like it can't do as much, it's really interesting in the fact that it is so much simpler to set up because that's been another thing with VR, right? Is that mm -hmm. it has just been really clumsy to set up. It's not, this is a device that you could potentially, I think like you could take it to your friend's house. Oh yeah. yeah, um, yeah. That's not something you could really do before. I mean, like I had gone to your house and you had put me in the VR realm and I would go, wow, I'm going to fall over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> oh geez, and, um, oh no. But yeah, I mean, see, I I don't remember how soon after these first VR headsets came out did you end up get, getting um, one? Two years after, I had to wait for it to drop like a couple hundred dollars before I even thought about picking one up. Yeah, and see, I had put it off for a long time, but I the Rift S is out now, and I am getting the Rift S because I had I've been waiting forever to get into vr the like price point was an entry barrier for me as well and not knowing what the current landscape of vr really is and i've talked to you about it you know over the years and mm -hmm. like the the more i hear about it and the more i see about it the the more i want to commit to it and i feel like the quest is like the one that people should buy if they want to get into vr because it sounds like it doesn't require, like, like we said, it doesn't require any external hardware. It doesn't require like a $2,000 gaming PC to be able to run its stuff. It's its own thing, and it's going to have its own launch titles. Um, I went with the Rift S because I'm someone who does have a high-end PC, and I want to use the full capability of that. Uh, the downside to the Rift S is that it's you're still tethered. So the cool thing about the Quest, it sounds like you don't, you're not you know, attached by any wires or anything. Having not spent very much time in vr i don't really know how much of a difference that would make i guess i'd be curious to know if you've ever felt like you wanted a wireless headset uh yeah i feel like i i certainly 
that that's like the that's the top of my list for things I want. I know higher resolution okay. and maybe better controllers and all this neat stuff is higher on other people's lists. But for me, going wireless is probably the biggest thing because when you're in VR and you maybe like turn around or keep moving or rotating, the last thing mm-hmm. you want to do is like feel a cord dangling around your legs or wrapping around and then having to like move to untangle yourself. It's like it's really just it takes you out of it and it's like, oh man, this this is really cool, but I, I don't feel like I can like freely move around or jump about because I don't want to like step on a cable or trip. Right. And with like the quest being this standalone kind of mobile VR thing with six degrees of freedom, it's this thing where like yeah, like you said earlier, yeah, I could bring my rift to another person's house, but I'd have to bring my huge PC take up a thousand outlets and it take forever to set up. And that's just immediately off putting. It's like, ah, uh, VR is cool, but this is just so, this is too much. Whereas with the quest, you know, you can just take it to a friend's house and use it. Like you don't need to plug it into a million things. You don't need to get tied down by cables. It's just so easy to use. And it's like, this is what we need from VR. Like I get that like cooler and cooler tech is always like high on everyone's list, but we got to make it less cumbersome. I have a really limited experience with VR. So I don't know. I just like, I don't think I know enough about like what I guess the landscape looks like and like what kind of games people are playing. So, yeah. and that's something I think that like these VR companies have done a really poor job of. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure why that is. Like pe- people don't seem to have been as exposed to the VR experiences that are available as like, say other you know, AAA video games or whatever. I'm just not 100% sure what they're doing wrong, but that's just kind of what it's felt Ooh. like to me. You see, I have no experience with any of these VR headsets. Um, I'm sure I've used VR in the past before. I don't remember, but yeah, so I don't know. Personally, I don't use VR. I don't know if I plan on investing in it either until something catches my attention. I mean, all that I... I know I actually really wanted to play VR Doom, but I'm not going to buy um, an entire $800 set piece just to play Doom, which I already have, which runs what I know or what I've heard poorer than, you know, a regular PC version of it. So um, maybe if it has something for me, which I don't know what it is, maybe some new games or something. I know there's a Batman game, but it's like, I heard it was like two hours long, so I was like, ah, man. Yeah. That that comment on the uh, the Batman thing being two hours long, it's like VR has been around for several years, but when even I look at a lot of VR games, for every like VR game there is that I think is really neat, there are a ton of things that are still just like experiences that are like an hour yeah. long, and it's like, as cool as these are, you're not going to get people to invest like a lot of money in a headset so they can look at something for an hour and go that was pretty neat that's like i'm surprised that vr like gaming has not moved forward very much in that sense and i think that's one of the Mm -hmm. one of the big things holding it back because you know like you said if you're looking at like oh it's a vr batman thing it's two hours long is it just like too expensive to produce and like create i think it's this situation where yeah it's like not a lot of people have vr Mm-hmm. So why would you invest all the resources into making something really big in VR? So you make something small, but people aren't going to buy a big yeah. VR headset to play something small. So less people get VR, and then there's no money for people to invest into bigger VR games, and it's this permanent like it's this this 
feedback loop where it's just we're stuck where we are right now and that's why it's i feel like this self-defeating thing yeah we need to get like make vr more accessible <laughs> like advertise it make it cheaper like it's I, just... I see i think i think the hardest part of selling vr is that see we've we've talked about our experience before on this podcast but us going mm -hmm. to the best buy and actually yeah. trying it for the first time and from uh like trailers on a flat monitor which is something everyone has you don't understand what vr is yeah like yeah seeing ads for it it was like oh this is this is a neat i have like yeah like you can head, see how but... it kind of moves maybe if they've uploaded like a 360 video you can like click and move it around but it's 100 percent different once you actually put on the headset it's like oh now i get it it's something that you can't communicate over the monitor and i think that's why they have such a hard time selling it yeah like i remember when we had gone to that best buy to try it out like yeah i had thought okay it's gonna be it's okay it's gonna be vr i have my ideas of what that is and the moment for me and when vr like clicked and i was like okay th this is the future i really hope that this like does well was when there was this little demo where there's a little robot flying around and you can like toss things to him and he'll catch him and i thought it was really neat and i went to rest my hand on a table but the table wasn't there of course because it's a virtual <laughs> reality and i almost fell over and i was like oh 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 wow oh no <laughs> This is this is really cool. Like wow, that's, that's neat. That was the thing that really like wow made it something to, that like I felt like I saw the future. Yeah, and I mean I want it to be treated the same way as other games where people are so picky. Like right, like you you want to spend sixty dollars on a game and you want to get like sixty hours out of it or something. And yeah. those aren't th that doesn't exist in the realm of of VR software that is available. Unless you look at like a port, like, and the only ones I can think of are like Fallout Four and Skyrim VR. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know how you get there, or I, I don't know if we'll ever get there. I don't know if VR will fall flat on its face. Well, I honest at this rate, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I just yeah. felt, I feel like we've kind of just been at this standstill point where it's like, eh, just kind of puttering along. Yeah, exactly. Very exactly. real reality. Oh, <laughs> not a virtual one. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, oh, well, I guess geez. in my own little bubble, I'll be excited to get my hands on the Rift S and dive into some VR stuff, and I'll tell you guys what that's like. Hopefully I won't fall on my face, but I probably <laughs> will at least once. Um, Sonic and VR. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, although, I do have some uh, Steam games that are sitting in my inventory that do support VR that I think would be really interesting to play. Like, Thumper has a VR mode, and Thumper is this really fast Sonic-like rhythm game where things are just going ultra speed, and I would like to put that on in my headset and feel like I'm dying for a little bit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to experience uh, death. No, no, no. Near death. Whoa. <laughs> Never mind. On that note, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about Borderlands and we'll talk about some of the games we've been playing. Hmm. I've been playing Borderlands like my whole life, essentially. No, not my whole life, but since 2000 and whenever the first Borderlands came out, 2009. Been playing it since then. You're 10. I 2010. So I was off. No, you're you're ten. If it was to I'm ten. I'm ten years old. So 
these games were just very prominent in my gaming life. Um, they're just good, fun. Um, my favorite part about it is just kind of the wackiness and the just absurd amount of weapons. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just super fun. I love the series and played Borderlands 2, which is like literally everything I wanted from Borderlands 1, but better. And I haven't really played much of the pre-sequel. It's kind of ironic since I said Borderlands is a big part of my life, but um, yeah, Borderlands 3, I've been wanting this game for a while and I saw gameplay on it and it looks really fucking cool. Okay, so what are some of the what are some of the improvements that it looks like that they've they've made here in this third entry? There's a lot it looks like. So the whole gun system where it's a lot more quick and streamlined. So when you're in battle and a gun drops or something like that, it has an overall like cumulative number compared to um just like what level it is and its damage and stuff like that. So it's just like an overall number saying like, hey, this gun's better than the gun you're using right now. Pick it up. So it's just like, you see that gun, pick it up, boom. Um, there's sliding, there's like vaulting and uh, climbing stuff too, which I think would is like going to be really beneficial to especially a Borderlands game because um, basically in all the Borderlands games, you just run and shoot and there's no sort of like, like you kind of sometimes have this like janky platforming but it's mostly just run around shoot do objective run around shoot do objective there's no like sense of like vertical you know gameplay or anything like that you can't like get on top of things maybe just like a box or something but i'm excited for that and the abilities and the new characters they look really cool and just all the new like things that these weapons do i'm excited for i think there was a gun that shot cheeseburgers i was like what the hell (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, that does sound very Borderlands. Um, yeah. One thing I'm kind of sad, though, is the Claptrap voice actor's not in this one. So I was like, what? Did anyone like Claptrap, though? He's just so loud. I love Claptrap. He's so loud. I, I, yeah, that's that's him, though. Like, I guess he's, it's, he's literally a Borderlands A lot of the humor you know? in Borderlands is just, like, something that doesn't click with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really sure why. It's kind of like I... I I think I can see what it's going for, but it's just not the type of humor I enjoy. But at the same time, I have a very, like, obscure sense of humor, like, where... Well, yeah. Where, like, I think Wes Anderson movies are funny when other people don't. And then, Mm. like, I don't think Claptrap is funny when other people do. So I just have a disconnect with some some of how it's presented, I guess. Um, I don't think he's that he's, like funny like i die laughing every every single sentence i hear i think it's just like the concept of claptrap like this just obnoxious robot well he's not one there's like thousands and they're all the same essentially but um i just you know i like claptrap i he's his voice very nostalgic and you know um just like hearing him even though it's annoying sometimes it's just you know it's a borderland staple you know that's like taking the voice actor of uh one character that you love in a game that's been consistent and then replacing him with somebody else, no matter who it is, even if they sound similar, you're going to see differences. You know what I mean? Right. But Um, other than that, it looks good. It looks fun. It looks like something I'd be picking up. I saw that it looked like there were some new vehicles, which is cool because I like to drive stuff and go beep beep. 
Um, <laughs> I I don't know. Like the games are. They, I I like these games. Um, I like how playable they are, but not too much other than that. They've always felt very vanilla, and they're like they're really chill. I think like I it's fun to hang out, especially with Caleb, and just wander around and shoot stuff and pick stuff up. Um, but there hasn't there there aren't really any like aspects of the game series that really grip me in a way that I look for in most of my game experiences. Um, I think I have to give some leeway because it's like a multiplayer focused experience. So I wonder if your mind will change a little bit after we play Borderlands two. That'd be cool. I'm excited for the the um what is it called? Loot instancing in Borderlands three so that you can't oh, just yeah. take all the guns. <laughs> like I do. Yeah. I'm like, oh, shotgun mine. Will, can you give me like a c- c- describe <laughs> the describe your approach to loot when we would play this game? Um, if it's better than the like two types of guns I use, I would probably pick it up. But if it was anything else that I don't like use, like if it wasn't a sniper or a pistol, like a revolver, I just wouldn't touch it. I'd just leave it for you. <laughs> See, I would like I would know what sort of weapons you're looking for. And if yeah. they weren't what I was looking for, I would just leave them. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I would do. And okay, it's let me like... tell you how Caleb plays this game. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, I see on my screen, Yeti has opened a chest, and I go over there, and like the guns are not there anymore, and he has said nothing. <laughs> Damn, and dude. then I get to a point where I'm like several levels behind in guns, and I'm not useful in the fight, and I'm like, hello, <laughs> I can't help. Dude, that's where the point is like, I'm just killing everything, and you don't gotta worry about it, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> The s- best part of a co-op game is not being cooperative, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, uh, what was it? We did, uh, we started the DLCs, so we did, we finished already the um, zombie one, and we're doing the arena one right now, which is also very interesting, because it's like competitive, actually. Um, we started it super late, so we didn't... I don't really think we uh, grinded to where we needed to be, but um, I mean, for what it was, it was pretty fun. Well, I, I like the zombie one a lot because there's a lot of Scooby Doo references. I was like, oh yeah, we had Skaggy. Skaggy. <laughs> He's like, what did he say? What was his like saying? I don't remember. That, like, I, I don't know what Shaggy's saying is in normal Scooby. No, his name was so- Harry. His name was Harry, not Shaggy. And then Scooby was Skaggy. There's a lot of parody stuff in Borderlands that also is like very hit or miss with me. <laughs> the the Ninja Turtles ones I like. Um, that was a good one. That one also missed me. Dang, I like that one. <laughs> See, I've, I just liked it because I was like, well, you had to explain think, it to me, and then I went, oh, okay. I, I've played and so little Borderlands. This just sounds like a mess. <laughs> like I have no, <laughs> I, I I I'm having a hard time in my head picturing what any of this is. No, that's okay. It's okay. We'll get to it. Don't worry. Borderlands 3, <laughs> I guess. I want to let other people talk about what they've been playing. I've been playing uh, Breath of the Wild, uh, Legend of Zelda. Um, so I finally, finally delved into it, and I love it. Like I'm actually making progress. <laughs> and it's so fun. I've been having a blast with it. And it's, like, weirdly hard. Like... I didn't expect it to be like the kind of difficult the the kind of difficulty it is and I was like what like damn 
kids play this? Like, shit, I can't even do this. See, I've seen a lot of people over the me. past couple months say that they've started playing Breath of the Wild, or they've like started revisiting it if they hadn't played it before. And I think it's just because like the year has been kind of slow as far as exciting releases go. Well, I think it was more of like Smash Bros. came out, so everyone went and picked up a Switch to buy Smash Bros. Okay. And they kind of got Breath of the Wild with it. I mean, that was my case, but I, I know a lot of other people picked up Switches at the same time, too. So this game came out, what, two years ago? So um, I've been getting a Switch now and playing that game. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's it. That's just a random guess from something I've done. But... Um, yeah, I've, I've just been playing the shit out of it, and I love it. It's super fun. Cool. Highly recommend it if you have a Wii U or a Switch. Uh, other games. Mm. I've I... been playing... Oh. oh, you oh. go. Nope, nope, you can oh. go. Nope. 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 <laughs> nope. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Damn nope, it. Nope, you have to go. All right, I'll nope. go. <laughs> um, I guess something out of the, the video game space and going into just sitting around a table playing game games space um yeah i ran a lot of D this week um i mentioned last week in the podcast about like a one shot that i ran on sunday for some new players and that was really fun yeah. got to run a beholder never done that before and a beholder is like a classic D monster i don't know are you familiar with them is that is that the one with like lots of tentacles and a large eye yes okay yes very very fun um and they're supposed to be like super paranoid and they're i don't know they're just crazy and um they're really random like you roll on a table to like decide which eye ray gets to attack the players and like that's that's really fun too um yeah i was can i can i ask a question yeah so, like, in a video game, when you would fight, like, a tentacle monster, typically it would break it down into, like, you have to, like, defeat each of the tentacles, maybe, and then, like, shoot it in the head or something. How does this work in, a like, a tabletop space? Um, you kind of just get to make it up. I feel like I'd decide kind of, like, how much damage, like, someone will do. I'll be like, yeah, so if they, if, like, someone does, like, a critical hit and they deal, like, a ton of damage, then maybe a tentacle will fall off. But okay. um, there are some sort of monsters that like, like a Hydra, you know, you have to like make sure their heads fall off. Otherwise they keep regaining hit points. And um, right. That's what I was thinking. of. Yeah. So like it, it just sort of like depends on like the kind of monster, but it's it's mostly just like whatever you decide or if it just is a sack of meat and then when it gets to zero and it dies, then that's what happens too. You cook it and eat it. Tasty, tasty. <laughs> um, and then on Thursday, yeah, Thursday, I guess last night, wow, um, I ran, like, the beginning of the, sort of, like, the, the last sort of, like, boss fight. They're in this, like, dungeon, and they're trying to find all this treasure, and they're having a really difficult time um, finding the clues, which has just been kind of fun. <laughs> They're just like overthinking everything and being way too cautious and being like, well, how do we get across this bridge that has a hole in it? It's like, you could just jump. But they're like, no, but we have to like build a ladder or like, you know, just. But I guess I guess that's like the fun part of of the game is that like whatever, you know, whatever the energy of the of the of the table is, is just kind of what happens. And like, however, people decide to play their characters. Um is just like how things resolve themselves 
Or, you know, they'll totally miss things and then they miss them. Yeah. I think I've played D&D like twice. Uh-huh. Um, what was I? I was a, was it Draconian? Is that what it a was? Dragonborn? I, think I guess so, it would yeah. also depend, like, what edition you played. Yeah, I guess. They... <laughs> I don't know what edition I played, to be honest. I was, like, reptilian as well. So, well, there was, like, a specific language I spoke, and, like, only one of my friends understood it, so you had to interpret it every single time <laughs> I said anything. Oh, no. And oh, then, wow. like, it was, it was, it was hilarious, because they just assumed, like, my, um, my language sounded like... <laughs> so, like, that, <laughs> I had to, like, say that. And he's like, oh, he said there's a monster on your right. You know, stuff like that. It was, it was really fun, though, when I played mm -hmm. it. I loved it. I still want to get back into it, but I just have no time. Yeah, it's a big, <laughs> it's a big time commitment. Because, like, you know, yeah, but... minimum, like, four hours at a time. And you have to, like, coordinate with, like, a bunch of other people. But the fun is worth it. The fun is so worth it. What was, oh, what was that Divinity 2 thing that we found? Yeah, Divinity 2, there was, that's a PC RPG, and it had, like, some sort of a dungeon master mode, like, game master mode, where someone would kind of, like, plan out an adventure for the other players to go on, kind of like this rough approximation of, like, how a D&D, like, game would work. And I think, I remember we were looking at that and thinking that was really, really neat, but apparently it didn't get much support. And then we kind of went on a tangent about, um... How like out of like a lot of things that have been transferred to different types of like mediums, tabletop gaming like D and D, there's like there is nothing like it anywhere. Like, there's nothing like it on computers or anything. There's no like, it's it's like strictly it's like it's unadaptable. It's like it's such an open ended thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's what I love about it is that like, you know, you can just like take things in totally the wrong direction. It was like what, you know, the, the dungeon master, the game master kind of like had in mind. Um, I mean, as like a as someone who runs the game now, like that's a big pain in the ass. Like <laughs> it's so frustrating. Um, and when like people get to be like higher levels and they can like teleport everywhere and you're just like, no, I have to prepare the whole world. Um, yeah, but, you know, you could always just be like, hey, that's not we're, you're not going there. We're not doing that. <laughs> If we, if you you know go to you know a different continent, we're just gonna like call it because I don't have anything prepared. I don't know. It does not happen in any other sort of video game thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's and also like... human interaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> there's like there's like Baldur's Gate, but that's a single player experience, and it's also not open ended. Even though it says like it's based on the framework of D and D, it's it, it comes down to being based on just some mechanical yeah like the rule stuff. set vaguely and that's about it i mean you can say that with, like any rpg as well yeah i was just gonna say that like probability and being a character and having a storyline yeah just we literally just be like oh yeah we're playing borderlands which is just like dnd &D. <laughs> i feel like nothing super exciting happened it was just like them kind of like fucking around and <laughs> That trying is, that to jump exciting, over a bridge though. that had a hole in it that's right. fucking awesome yeah. what the hell um and they went back and forth like six times so they had to like do all these ability checks every single time they went across so they just made it so hard on themselves but wait what do they like forget stuff on the other side no they just like 
they were trying to find a secret door and they couldn't find the secret door. And then they were was like, Was there a secret door? Yeah, there was a secret door. Oh, okay. And there was a riddle and they didn't understand it. Um, and so then they were just <laughs> like, Oh, we'll just look at other places. <laughs> and then we like went back and forth and they still like didn't find it. Cause like, I guess that is kind of frustrating if like people would roll dice and like, let's say they just like roll really, really bad on like everything. And then it's like, Okay, well, um, you know, we can't really progress until you find this door and you haven't found it yet because you've been rolling like twos the whole time. Hmm. Sometimes you just have to be like, Okay, well, I guess you kept searching long enough and then you found it. <laughs> you just give up. You like, just give it. up. Whatever. Just like, whatever. Here's a, some shit falls Freaking off a shelf chest. and you see a, a crease in a door. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, speaking of doors, uh, Will, did you want to talk about RimWorld for oh, a little bit? Yeah. Uh, I've been playing uh, RimWorld, as Travis just said. Um, a neat little kind of colony management game where you take control of these people who crash land on this kind of barren alien sort of world. And then you have to build a little colony and manage all these little people. And uh, I'm, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I like city builder games. I like Sim City. I like city skylines. Um, I suppose I, I like to play as an urban planner, but would never want to be one. Um, it, it's very neat to, to, to kind of play a colony management game where um, you just kind of lay out a lot of vague plans. And then the little people have their own traits, their own histories, their own like childhoods and then adulthoods and uh, traits to them that kind of define the way they interact with one another and how they go about doing things. Like, I don't know, there's just a whole lot that can come from it. Like, you might get a drug, ad uh, a drug addict in this colony, and it's like, oh, geez, this guy's having withdrawals right now. What am I going to do? Like, am I going to keep him kind of in, like, a rehab for a while? That costs, That takes a lot of, like, resources, or do I just start producing drugs to get him back out and working? Um, it's like, oh, wow, this is really neat. And how... Characters can interact with one another. Sometimes you get weird traits, like you'll have this like woman who has spent her life as like this miner, and then she becomes this chief of security, and then she's also a hardcore misogynist. And it's like, wait a second, whoa! And then you get a lot of interactions with that. Like they might hate uh, a fellow colonist on the basis of like gender, sexuality, things they've done, and you have to deal with all of these people who can't get along. It's equal parts frustrating and fun, and uh, I find that very addicting. Yeah, that That's seems super souls. fun. <laughs> that game always reminded me of Prison Architect, but Prison Architect, I don't think goes in that in depth with character traits. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. It, I don't think it does. I think it goes a bit in depth, but on the whole, yeah, it's it's a lot more about like crowd control and stuff. Whereas RimWorld is like your colony needs to survive. Because, like, people can get wounded if you're attacked by bandits, and then you have to take care of them. They might get infections. They might die of those infections. People might, and if somebody dies and someone was close to them, that person who was close to them will get, like, a negative modifier to their mood. Because, you know, a loved one just died, and then they might become just, they might just, like, snap. There's just so many things that a lot of the time, I, it catches me by surprise. And I've lost a couple colonies because of things that just happened, and it just spirals out of control. Oh man, uh, that sounds a lot like that part of it sounds a lot like Frostpunk, which is a city builder survival game that's set in like a post-apocalypse where everything is cold, <laughs> and you're like the last people on Earth, and you've built a little city in this little, uh, this this little I don't know, it's like a carved out section in the snow, and it it's intended to just kind of like kill off your people pretty slowly. 
Um, you can get to a win state, but it's really difficult. And they also added like an endless mode where you can just kind of like RimWorld, uh, just kind of sim it for a while and see how far mm-hmm. or see how long you can last. And that is a game where people will split off into factions sometimes. Um, so there will, you'll get people who are like opposed to your leadership because you haven't provided enough of the hope stat or enough of the like order stat. Um, and then you get these branching paths you can go down where like you try to control people with religion or you try to control people with like authoritarian power hmm. and you kind of have to pick one or the other and like hope it works out. Um, Oh, that was kind of what it, that was what I thought of. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Uh, I really like those kind of like sim games. Not 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 so much the Sims, but games where you kind of just like run. Oh, it's like, like a, a it's like a survival. Oh, dating sim? Sims. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a sec. No, not that. But yeah, like survival <laughs> sort of like city management stuff. Yeah, I, I really like how like a bunch of mechanics can come together and make something like a story to come out of just a bunch of like mechanics i really like that like in room world i had this very big tough dude who had a comfort animal he was like a little puppy and then one day these bandits showed up and i locked the doors to keep them out but the puppy was outside and i was like oh no, oh, no. the bandits ran over and they hit it with a club oh, oh no and they killed the puppy and i was like oh, oh no. no and then the big man got so mad he kicked down the door and killed the bandits <laughs> And then he just started beating up people because he was furious. And he was like, oh, <laughs> no. So I had to try and arrest him and he ended up dying. And I was ah, I was very bummed out over a digital dog. And I was like, ah, dang it. And I was in a sour mood. But it's like, it's so neat that this stuff can come out of just like little mechanics and modifiers. I, I don't know. I really like these kinds of like city management survival games. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've been playing recently. Cool. Uh, I've always wished that game had like some sort of co-op, but also like the more I think about it, that game is not designed that way. So I don't know if that we would. We can even watch work. people die together. Yes. Yeah, but I mean, it's like Dwarf Fortress, where it's trying to simulate its own stuff that's going. Okay, I guess it's not that out of the question. I mean, CK two can s- simulate a bunch of stuff going on with uh, iffy results. I mean, it desyncs sometimes, <laughs> yeah. so it's not perfect. Um. Yeah, I, I, I as far as games I've been playing, I've just been continuing Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I spent several hours yesterday just doing side quests and just forgetting about the main quest. And also not even doing quests, just kind of wandering and hunting to upgrade my gear. Um, I feel like this is a game where, like, I can't... It's weird to say side quests because they don't feel like side quests... Um, I, this all comes from the Witcher 3 stuff. I just haven't played the Witcher 3. So for me, this (laughs) is like, this is, this is my first venture into this new realm of like quests that are good. Um, although I feel like I should credit the Witcher 3 for this because I know that's where it's coming from. Um, (laughs) but it's like, I, I feel weird saying side quests because they, it, it feels like, we've moved beyond the definition of main quest side quest, which has always been kind of a binary thing where main quest would progress the story and side quest would be like an extra thing that would give you some non-essential rewards. Um, But in this game, it all feels like everything is serving this overarching narrative, which I find really cool. And even like side quests that don't really contribute to the main story feel essential. So like, for instance, there was this, 
as part of the main quest, I had to go kill this guy in this town called Latopolis. Uh, Latopolis is is this like it's like this startup city. I don't know what else to call it. They're just starting to build this city, and it's being overtaken by really bad sandstorms. And so it's like it's like an unlivable city. But they're trying to get. There's this interesting character who's like trying to convince people to to move to the city or to like stay in the city because he'll give them like a free house or something. Um, and so I went to this city and I did my thing and I like killed the guy that I was there to kill. But also I picked up a bunch of side quests in this city that all started to weave together. So there was this guy who found like spooky hieroglyphs in his house and he was like really scared. And it leads you to like this strange sunken temple in the desert where you learn that you find like these priest skeletons and you learn that like many years ago they sacrificed their they like offered their city up to the like the gods in exchange for like prosperity somewhere else or something and so you go back to the city and you start to tell people that like hey yeah you're not supposed to build stuff here this is like sacred ground that's why you're getting all these sandstorms um and so if i hadn't done this side quest i feel like i would have missed out on like a large section of really interesting gameplay and lore about this city that was already interesting to me when i went there and it was like yeah we're trying to build a city we got lots of sand it's like what are you guys doing why are you why like why are you doing this and what is there here that the game isn't overtly presenting to me and what can i uncover and it turns into this kind of cool mystery adventure and it's just another portion of the game that's like its own little sectioned off thing with like its own unique tone and atmosphere and characters and i just wish more games were like this game <laughs> <laughs> well i feel like the witcher 3 sort of set the bar with what side quests are so hopefully a lot of new single player games that are striving for you know side quests and main quests kind of realize that hey maybe we shouldn't just make filler side quests Right. So. Well, do you feel that way in The Witcher 3? Kind of what I said were like, they don't really feel like you can break them down into main quest, side quest anymore? Yep, exactly. That's 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 how I feel. It's just branching paths of the main quest, essentially. Yeah, it feels like a really organic world yeah. where like, so like Skyrim, you can kind of set out and your journal will break things. Okay, to be fair, this game also breaks things down into main quest and side quest, but like Skyrim, it feels very overt like you know that you're on the like the dragonborn quest line or whatever and then there's all these other guilds and stuff that just feel like they're a detour whereas these games like the witcher 3 and assassin's creed they no longer feel like detours somehow i don't know it's just kind of what i described i guess i don't really know how the rest of it works i guess just good writing is what it comes down to yeah that's all it comes down to speaking of writing I want to talk about Game of Thrones, but I think we should take a quick break. Um, and this is the section where, you know, you can dip out if you don't want to hear about Game of Thrones. Um, I want to talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. I meant for people listening. Oh. Everyone else is chained. To the, <laughs> we to all the just podcast. leave. We all leave. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, going into a quick break. We'll be right back. Alright, so last week, the third episode of the final season of Game of Thrones and the midpoint of the final season 
uh, premiered to a lot of anticipation. There's a lot of people who are waiting to see what would happen on this episode because it promised this big battle with the forces of living who were willing to participate. <laughs> and what? <laughs> Nothing. Just the w the way you said that the forces of living, like. Well, okay, Ooh, I should have yeah. started with the forces of the dead, maybe, and then pivoted to forces of the living. Yeah, I was expecting you to go with the forces of the dead against the living, and you just said the forces of the living. <laughs> okay, like, whoa. so the living versus the dead, and uh, now I've lost my train of thought. Well, the Night King was... I said we were going to do spoilers, and if you haven't caught up, I don't know, like, it's been a week. So the Night King gets killed, and <gasps> there was oh a gosh. lot of... <laughs> what? This was received badly, right? I, like, am I wrong? I, f I feel like um, the reception is mixed. Yeah, I was seeing I mixed. mixed. I've seen a lot of people really like love this episode. Okay, I yeah, yeah, I feel like same. I've seen and just slightly really, more negative reception. Yeah, I don't know. I think maybe just like I only really talked to people who were just like casual viewers. And they were just like, oh, yeah, it was so crazy. And, like, everyone was so badass. I'm like, Arya, oh, my gosh. And then I feel like people who care a little bit more about, you know, the world of Westeros and, like, are more into, I guess, the lore of the show and the books were, like, a little bit more disappointed. But I don't know. So personal takeaways from the final minutes of this episode. Um, just reactions. Underwhelming. Disappointed. Like, unbelievably <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah, I would agree with both of those things. Like, w uh, when Arya, like, when, Materializes when she out leaps of out um, from such a huge <laughs> distance. I'm okay. I, I can sus suspend a lot of disbelief for that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the Night King turns around and grabs her. I first thought, oh, like, we were supposed to think she's going to kill him. Then she doesn't. And then she does. And at that instant, I, I went from feeling like, oh, whoa, in the episode to, hmm, just like a sense of, oh, is, is that it? Like, that moment, moment just sucked like all the air out of the room for me. And then I didn't know where the show was going to go from there. That's, that was my main takeaway was that I really expected the White Walker threat to remain through the entirety of the season and get mixed up in the Cersei threat, and now I'm just left wondering where do things go over the course of the final three episodes. I think my big problem is, like, the show begins with, like, the White Walker setting them up as, like, this thing beyond the wall. Right. It mm -hmm. remains this underlying background thing, even in, like, seasons where you never see them, but it's always something that's on your mind, or it's yeah. always something that's been on your mind. And, and, and so during the show, we're, we're constantly watching, you know, the political struggles of humankind and all these, they're vying for corporeal power when beyond the wall, something that will end it all is on its way. And now that they've beaten the Night King, like, I just don't feel that invested in, like, the fight against Cersei because win or lose, life in Westeros just will continue on. Yeah, that's exactly how the, I so feel. Where it's, it's like, just, uh, yeah. It, like, I feel like it took all of the, like, you know, now they're, now they're like, no stakes. Now it's, like, everyone versus Cersei, and, like, that doesn't seem very compelling. Because um, they have, like, dragons against, like, the Golden Company. Like, I don't know. Doesn't seem too, doesn't seem very exciting. And I feel like yeah. the show went from being sort of, like, based on A Song of Ice and Fire, which I feel like is, you know, life versus death. 
to now like a show about the Game of Thrones. And I feel like I've gotten this question so many times and it pisses me off where people are like, oh, who who do you want to win the throne? Like, who who do you want to win the Game of Thrones? And I'm like, I don't I don't. No one cares. I don't care about who wins the Game of Thrones. Like, that's not, I feel like if that's what your takeaway is, you've missed the whole point of the show. Um, right. That's how I felt over eight seasons, and now I feel like, was my reading wrong? Yeah, you get in the first season, you get, like, introduced, like, this scary, like, looming threat um, throughout the entire seven seasons. And, like, it's just, like, continuously building and building, like... You have all these political things going on within the world of Westeros. All these people are doing shitty things. All the shit's going down. Wars are happening. People are marrying each other, betraying, yada, yada. But in the end, like, the looming threat continues to push forward and push forward and make progress. And finally, the looming threat is here. It's ready to wreak havoc. Like, you have literally an undead army. So the more people die the more it gets added to it. You know, it's like, you can't necessarily beat it. And it's just, um, a lot of people are like, oh, the Night King has motives. There's there's a motive behind him. He's not just this evil entity. And then once episode three's over, he's like, ah! And you're just like, <laughs> so he's a dumbass evil entity with no motive other than just to stare at Bran. I mean, Bran. And or Bran. Like, <laughs> or whatever, sure. I, I have a hard time saying their names, but um, yeah, and it was just like, you had this potential to make, I don't know, you, I had a lot of like, um, things that could have happened, I was, um, I have a lot of like, I don't know, just things, potential things that could save the show maybe, I don't know, um, like I was, I was talking to Travis about like, how the significance of <laughs> I guess that stare down with uh, Bran and the Night King and I still always remember that like little cut that he got from the Night King from that um, from the Three-Eyed Raven vision mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and maybe in the end the battle will go to um, King's Landing and Bran will become the new Night King and that's when the Army of the Dead will take over. If that you know that those are just guesses in literally anything they could do within that. To like save and, it? And, you know if they are these guesses yeah, or are they just it. like wishful thinking? I feel like they're just wishful it's, thinking. It's more wishful, <laughs> yeah. wishful thinking, yeah. So um, who knows what they'll do. I mean, if it's just like a battle versus Cersei and the actual army. Like what? one thing is like you have all these characters that have such depth to them in one area. One, how do they not die? Like Sam, like I thought he was going to die like five he times. He should have died. Most people should have died. Dude, John, John like, Snow. Uh, Same with Jamie John looked at him. Yeah, Jamie John looked Falken at him, Lannister. and he's like, Jamie fucking Lannister. <laughs> do, do you remember that scene where, like, John was, like, running through the, um, through Winterfell, and, like, he looks at Sam, he's like, ah, and he's like, whatever, and just keeps running. Like, he's like, I, you're gonna die, dude. But he's still alive. I just, and I'm just like, what the like, fuck? Dude, like, okay, before this episode aired, I had worries that it would play out the way that it did, but then I had <laughs> talked to Travis, and Travis, you told me how you thought the episode was going to play out. And to yeah. me, it was we such a... It, a very in-depth conversation. <laughs> it made so much sense to me. I was like, I'm an idiot for thinking it would play. Yeah, no, you're to you're so right. And then watching the episode, it was playing out the way I had thought it would, and my heart sank. Like, 
we we don't see the Night King for the first like part of the battle, and it's like okay. And Bran wargs into these ravens, and I thought, I'm he, sorry, Bran he Bran, oh okay, not Brienne. Yeah, he wargs into the ravens, right? Yes, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Like sorry. I think Brienne. I think it sounded like you said Brienne. Oh no, Bran. Bran wargs <laughs> into these ravens. I missed something. And um. Like, he flies up, and I was thinking, oh, he's not going to find the Night King. The Night King has continued south Well, something. see, that was that was the extent of my theory, which yeah, it which was, was partially like... what I had thought for a long time, and also I added some details from a viral Reddit post. <laughs> and this doesn't matter anymore because it didn't happen, but just to sum it up really quick, I, I had said, like, okay, the last episode, it ended with a, with a shot of these two fucking general, like, others and not the Night King, I said there's no way the Night King is dumb enough to show up in this episode, get himself killed, and wipe out his whole army. And so we felt like we were on really solid ground after we had talked this out. And... <laughs> yeah. Um, That's not the real Grand, Night King. That was Arya. You know, he takes control of these ravens and flies up, and then there's the Night King. And it's like, like raven what is simulator. he doing just chilling? What? what? Why? And then, yep, it's, it just plays out like some sort of Lord of the Rings battle. It's just, I yeah, I believed that the Night King would have gone south, and then th this whole plan would have like been a big failure. It would have turned out differently than the way they hoped. Kind of, you know, this thing of like setting up expectations and then destroying them. But instead, this plan works pretty much perfectly. Their their plan, like what they had wanted, pretty much happens. Which Night is King? very not Game of Thrones, though, yeah, is why it feels like, so weird, because yeah. the show has never done anything that clean. It's always, like, even when there are victories, there there's usually, like, weight to them. A lot of defeat. Yeah, and yeah. speaking of weight with victories, like, we yeah, we had just talked about, like, not at, like, Samuel Tarly somehow survives. Brianna Tarth somehow survives, like... All of these characters that I feel like fans really, really like, the showrunners are just keeping around because people like them. Yeah. I mean, instead yeah, they get rid of... people have gone from having plot armor to having fan armor. Yeah, like, they did kill some characters, but I highly doubt anyone in the world is going, oh my god, I wish they didn't kill Beric Dondarrion or some shit like that. <laughs> like, like they, they kill off some characters, but with the exception of, like, Jorah, they're not really, like, big characters. Like, yeah, it, I agree. Samuel Tarly is on the front line, and he makes it to the end <laughs> yeah. of the battle. Right? And, and like his like, his friend Ed, who actually is like good at fighting, doesn't. I don't know, just like yeah. And like that was so weird. Jamie Lannister fighting with his non-dominant hand makes it to the end. Brienne of Tarth makes it. Like the Unsullied, a lot of them, like over half the Unsullied are dead. Yeah, but and they're Samuel supposed Tarly to be like such strong warriors. I feel like that's just so, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, let's also, don't forget, all of the Dothraki are dead for no reason. Yeah. Like they're just all dead. We're going to they don't run exist anymore. into the undead. <laughs> this is just. Into just blackness and not have like any of the trebuchets going beforehand. Oh my gosh. The military. I know they're just tactics, shooting into nothing. Let's put like the, the way, behind us. <laughs> the way military it tactics worked. are implemented in this episode <laughs> made me feel like I was watching myself try to play a total war game. It's like because it was just wait. stuff I would do. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, let's just like send the horses out." Oh no! <laughs> like, oh, what did I think was gonna happen? Like, when Grey Worm has that scene where he's like, it's this tense moment where he has to pull that lever to like collapse that bridge and trap mm -hmm. the his like men on the other side. It's like. 
wait, what? So am I to, <laughs> am I to understand the plan was, okay. <laughs> the plan was to sacrifice all of the brown people. Is like, what the plan was. Fucking pretty much, because like, okay, the Night King is going to come for Bran. Bran is going to be in like the Weirwood, Godswood, whatever, waiting that for the Night King. That whole thing doesn't make sense So to me. the plan essentially was, we are going to go outside of the walls so that we can go back inside? <laughs> yes. Is that the plan? Like, and they're like, fuck dude, our stables aren't big enough. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, d- yeah, send the Dothraki in. Like... I was really, really hoping that like none of the plan would work and just everyone will die. So then we just see the story from Cersei's perspective, where like <laughs> that would have she's been just like neat in a weird way, but like yeah, <laughs> like we're just like the Night King, like their whole plan just collapses, and then Bran's the only one left, and then the Night King kills him, and then they just continue their march towards King's Landing. But we just see it through Cersei's perspective as the new main character for the rest of these three episodes. And her focus on like the petty squabbles of man fucks her over. But instead, she has benefited from every decision. She's she's in a great position. Yeah. She was right. Like she's Thanos, dude. <sighs> what an episode. I will say, um, the first parts of this like episode, like the lining up of the troops and like the tension, as you can hear what's yeah. in the dark but can't see it. I really liked that. Like, I, I really, I got extremely anxious. Yeah. Very uncomfortable. Just like, ooh. Yeah, I thought the first 82 minutes of this episode were fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really like the, the Night King song or whatever. When like the Night King whole, sings. Um, composition. Yeah. I, I've been listening to that like crazy. I think it's really good. But, um, I mean, literally everything, literally everything except the writing is good. Like fantastic, actually. Maybe a few, uh, like the it was pretty dark. Can you guys agree that was like a really really dark episode? I actually didn't or have did... a problem seeing it. I I, th- I don't know. It was just like we. I was watching it in a dark room, and it was still like I was like, what the fuck is going on? But I, that, that's a minor complaint. Everything else, the cinematography, the acting, the dialogue, the um, music, everything was really good except the writing. Can we? That's all I can say. Really, take a quick moment to like think about the fact that in episode two, we get this really nice kind of moment in the um in that one hall by the fireplace where all these characters come together and just share a moment, and Brienne mm-hmm. gets knighted. Yeah. It's like this really nice and warm moment, and I was dead certain like a lot of these people are gonna die. We're yeah. getting this really nice moment. Brienne has become a knight. Like, oh, it's just such a wonderful moment. <laughs> Everyone in that room is still alive. Not a single one of them died, as far as I can tell. And it's just like... Isn't that weird? Yeah, we, we get this big moment, and I thought, like, okay, well, Brienne, I wouldn't be surprised if she dies. Uh, some of these others will probably die. But no, they're, they're all okay. They're all good. It's just I would really hope that over the next three episodes there are some pretty good payoffs because I feel like there's a lot of questions that have yet to be answered specifically about the Night King and the others that I worry that won't ever be answered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, I don't know. I I would like to bring up a couple of news bits that dropped today. Oh. And the first one is an interview that I think it sounded like it was on Jimmy Kimmel or something with uh, 
David Benioff and Dan Weiss, where, and this could very well be nothing, right? But uh, Kimmel, he asked them, like, is this the last we've seen of the, of the White Walkers? And they, like, refused to answer, which led to all of these articles that were titled, like, we might not have seen the last of the White Walkers. Um, <laughs> so I think that could be nothing, but it could also be something. It's just a thing that made me think is all. Yeah, I know. That's I feel the like only was... reason I bring that up. I was just watching, I was like watching like Alt Shift X, the, the live stream that they did afterwards. Um, uh-huh. And they were, you know, speculating that like, okay, maybe the, the Night King will come back. And I feel like, yeah, I want that to happen because this like episode was just so disappointing. But then I also don't really know how like, like, is that I'm probably just, you know, wishful thinking. It's all like tinfoilery and right. not really like. I don't know. Someone's gonna really, like, glue all of his ice anything. chunks back together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I've never read the books or anything. I've only listened to a couple podcasts about Game of Thrones, but I guess never in the seen the books, show. Only listened to podcasts. Yeah, I've never even seen the show. I've only listened <laughs> to podcasts of each episode, so I just like, have a vague understanding. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but I guess in the books, um, he can't be necessarily killed. So, like, um, you have to, like, destroy every single cell in his body, essentially, in the, like, um, lore Wait, what? of Game Who of explains this in the books? Is, this sounds like some metachlorian shit. I, I don't know. This is what I've heard, um, like, that he can't necessarily be killed just by being stabbed with villains. Are you sure that's not just someone's theory? Yeah, because I mean, I've also no. read the books and I don't remember this, but I read them a long I, time I, ago, so. Like I said, I've never read the books. And I've just heard this from a couple people talking vaguely about. No, some, I I understand. Like, I just lore. I think maybe that that doesn't sound like it's something that's directly from the books. It sounds like because I can't see there being a scene in the books where some guy is like, "Yes, to kill the Night King, you must eliminate <laughs> every cell in his body." I I hope I wish there was that <laughs> scene um, now, like a scientist in it's like researching about it. Um, the know. other piece, Planetos. I'm blanking, but I think if I just start talking, it might come back to me. The other piece of news that I saw was Amelia Clark said that episode five will be even bigger. And she said to find the largest TV you can. That means almost nothing. Right. Again, I wasn't saying these things meant anything. I was just saying they were something that I saw today and thought were mildly interesting. Do you think it's because Cersei gets her elephants? Oh, fucking that way. maybe maybe um, and the rhinos rhinos from black panther show up i see i i don't i, <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this I, I didn't really think that there would be like another big battle sequence in this uh season just because i know how tv works and this show even though it's like the pinnacle of television they still have a, a finite amount of money that they work with <laughs> yeah so I can't really see there being a, a a sequence that rivals Battle of Winterfell in terms of like scale and war, but I can definitely see there be there. I we deserve to have better moments than the Battle of Winterfell at the very least. Yes. So I wonder if that's I, what she means when she says the episode will be bigger, just in terms of twists and stuff. I mean, there's a few episodes that are just like twist after twist, and I would hope that many of these last three episodes would do that. Dude, all I can say is just, I still have hope. Oh, definitely. I, do. I really do. Like, but, you know, like, it's I was, just going to be so... I was so... bummed out, 
but like I've sat on it and like I I'm gonna keep watching it. And yeah. I'm well I'm yeah, we have to, to know, know what happens, happens. But I'm not as seen... bummed out as I was initially. I Yeah, because my thought process on it was like these guys are these guys are really good writers, okay? Like I they've probably, you know, throughout I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but throughout like the seven seasons that they've written, like, you know, there's probably some plot holes that I can't think of that are that a lot of people thought were prevalent. And like this isn't this season like all there's no source material whatsoever, right? Yeah, we have surpassed that a couple seasons yeah. ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. So like if we've surpassed it a couple seasons ago, like, you know, um But here's the thing, the further it gets from the like extending the plot, it feels like the wilder it gets and the further it diverges from like the from, meaning yeah. of Martin's work. Yeah. Yeah, from like what but, made at least what I thought made the series really cool. One thing one thing that's been lingering in my head too is that um I don't know where I heard this from, so credit or credit the source if you think it's wrong or if it's not true or whatever. But I heard this from somewhere, I don't know where it was, but um I guess George R. R. Martin told the writers the true ending of what it wanted to be. So I don't yes know if that means anything. And no, like my understanding was that he was able to give them like the gist of the ending. But that he, mm -hmm. I feel like this is, this is, I believe that he like doesn't know the ending beyond like vagueness. I think he vaguely mm -hmm. has an ending and I think that's what he passed on to the show writers. But I don't think he knows his own ending fully yet. And I think that's why he hasn't released the next fucking book. <laughs> Do you think he's like waiting for the season to come out so he could like see what was wrong with it and just like write it? Well, I, I mean, I'm more long. interested than I ever was to actually read the books if they were ever mm -hmm. to come out again with a new one, um, because I feel like they would definitely not be what happened in the show. Yeah. yeah. And I think in terms of what you mentioned, Caleb, with the consistency of the writing, I, I think for me, I felt like there was a big turning point last season when we got to episode seven yeah episode seven um where they go on the white hunt yeah where I it felt like, like that point it felt like at that point we had veered way off course and it did not it just so it felt so removed from something that martin would have done yeah we didn't so mm -hmm. much jump shark as jump the narrow sea at that point like it was just yeah, and I feel like uh, all of like season, all of like season, all of the second book, not season two. I mean, I guess it kind of takes place in season two. Was just spent traveling across Westeros, you know, with like the Hound mm -hmm. and like Arya and all that kind of stuff, just like going across Westeros for like a whole fucking season, and then all of a sudden now people are just like fast traveling, like going back and forth in like the span of like an episode, and it's just like I. Oh, I don't know. It just made my heart hurt. I was like, this is, this is not, this isn't real. Like I was unable to like suspend my disbelief and like take it seriously. Arya Stark steals a dragon, flies to fucking King's Landing, jumps off that dragon, kills Cersei. That's the That's end. The... That's a true ending. Uncle That's... Benjen? You... <laughs> Maybe Uncle Benjen will come back again just so he can die. He's like, 
Yeah. Save the day one more time. I thought you meant Cersei was actually Uncle Benjamin, so like she killed him. She's like, it was me the whole time, and he dies. I my like most vivid memory of this show is watching season seven with Will and watching the White Hunt and seeing Uncle Benjamin show up. <laughs> I fucking shit when Uncle Benjamin showed up, like. What? And before that, like John had gone in the the lake, and then he came out, and Will he was stood up a, a big. Co- I stood up Will because stood he was wearing a big cloak, and then he falls in freezing water. And what did he swim up waterlogged in a wool cloak? Like, goddamn, it made no sense. And Tormund almost gets pulled through the ice, but then he gets saved, and it's like, well, okay, so to to expand on that, I feel like those moments. They kind of start to happen in in the White Hunt episode, the name of which I do not know. Um, and then they they have continued to like leak into the show and be these really obnoxious moments. Like throughout the Battle of Winterfell, you get a lot of shots where it feels like it's meant to make you think that Sam is about to die or Tormund is about to die. But because we've seen these moments play out on this show before, we know that that's not when people die. They don't die in these classic moments, these, like, action movie cliches of the knife is near my eyeball. They die unexpectedly, like when Ed gets, like, an arrow through the back of his head when there's no, like, score under it, and they just come out of nowhere. So those moments have been really meaningless to me, and they just kind of make me, like, pull out my phone for a few minutes. I'm like, all right, can we just, like, get through the tense thing? Like, no one's going to die here, and then we're just Uh going to go back to the battle. Um, And that's a good example of, like, the decrease in writing quality that we've seen. And these moments just feel like filler. Beric Dondarrion gets this, his death at one point when he's in the hallway and he's got his arms stretched out. I was just thinking like, is he going to have some sort of platoon death here? It's just so tacky. He's getting stabbed like a thousand times and he just keeps walking. Then he goes into the next room and dies. And it's just like, this is so absurd. It's just, I, I don't know. So, so in some of these deaths, like the Barrack one, it's I just can't take it seriously. Well, they're no longer the type of deaths that the show has worked so hard to establish. No, now they're like these operatic like moments. Uh. <laughs> I saw I saw an article on Kotaku today that said Game of Thrones has a Naruto problem. Has a what? And a, a, Nar- a Naruto problem. Oh. And the basically it talked about how the first Naruto uh, ran out of source material. And kind of wrapped up in a clunky way. And then they did the, uh, wait, am I thinking of the wrong anime? Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, Full Metal Alchemist. I don't know why. I See, I haven't seen either of these shows. Um, but the first adaptation of Full Metal Alchemist had run out of its, its like, the, it, it surpassed where the manga was uh, in its run. And so they just kind of had to cheese an ending out of it. And then they did a new adaptation, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, after the manga had been wrapped up. And so this article was talking about, like, after this iteration of Game of Thrones gets wrapped up, are these, like, if the books come out and we get the actual conclusion, I say actual, but, like, we get the literary conclusion, like, are we going to see a new Game of Thrones? And, like, do, are people even going to want to see that? Would they be movies? It's going to be a branching path show. Aren't they doing, like, a, aren't they doing, like, like um like Don't the cool. yeah they have they I, I heard that they have greenlit like four or five prequel series oh and gosh. one of them is called Whoa. One, one of them is called the long night and it's yeah, about that's like, like the, the age first of heroes. long night yeah yeah 
which is i mean i, I think, think that would be really cool um right as like a real book nerd i feel like that's that's really that's awesome um oh you read books yeah <laughs> I'm mixed on a lot of that because I feel like I really like the the idea of like a lot of these histories and these like mythic ages to remain that way. Mm-hmm. Like I feel it takes mm-hmm. away something to like actually right. see those events. That's but that's how I feel about a lot of like prequel things like Star Wars, like Star Wars Solo. Like I, I, I feel in in a lot of cases I I like knowing a lot less. I I, I feel that. I, I enjoy like not knowing a lot of things. I don't like this thing where everybody has to know like every detail and everything. I really don't like that. But, well, I mean, that's the thing though. It's because like if if a show or a movie like does it bad, then like you have that lingering in the back of your head, like oh, this is like really underwhelming. But like, and I liked my imagination version of it way better. Mm-hmm. And because like you actually see it, you know. Other than just like hearing about this like crazy thing that happened a thousand years ago or something like that, because like a lot of so. the histories uh, in like Game of Thrones and like when you're hearing about them, it's it's very evidently collected by different accounts from different maesters putting things together. Mm-hmm. So there's this element of like history where you here here's what they've they've kind of been able to put together, and I feel like leaving it vague like that is I don't know that to me is like how Game of Thrones is history. Has kind of always been so to do like a prequel series and talk about something like the age of heroes i don't know it that just feels like it would take a lot away from it yeah exactly like i love maps and i, I like the extended maps of the world of ice and fire are really interesting to me how like essos goes so far to the east and mm-hmm. we never see any of that area in the books or the movies and then there's like this creepy continent of sotheros to the south um that's inhabited by like how many syllables was that it's, in, <laughs> it's inhabited by like like monkey people or something and it's like full of jungle and it's like i would like to see that stuff but also i don't because i like just yeah having it be this like spooky background element that i can just ponder over and i feel like it would take away a lot of the charm of that extended world building if we were to actually see these things and and martin has talked about that like someone at a panel, right, had asked him about, like, hey, we get, can we know more about Sotheros? And he would just kind of say, like, well, it's, like, it's supposed to be ambiguous. <laughs> so, like, he doesn't know, which is how it should be, I feel like. It, that's that's how a, a good world is built. And so it leaves it up to the, you know, the people who need money at HBO to go, hey, here's a thing. That we haven't explored yet, but it also detracts from that bigger mythos. But yeah, like you said, like if they came out with like a long night uh series of some sort, a lot right. of people would watch it. I'd probably watch it even. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, they they'd still get their nice revenue stream, so yeah, HBO's a business. Yeah. But the thing is with HBO though, it's just they are renowned for quality, which is the difference. Between Except a lot of other for their platforms. web player. Yeah, fuck that thing. No, you. I'm talking about their shows. <laughs> I'd rather have quality shows over other things. Right, but if your content but, is exclusive to your own proprietary service, it has to be good. And the engineers, I guess, just haven't figured out a way to get this web player to actually display blacks properly for a majority of the people who are watching it. I'm now going into like yeah. film terms. Um, 
so like most of the people who saw this episode experienced a lot of issues with banding which is an issue that i experienced a couple years ago the last time i watched this show when i was on a slower internet connection um and i'm on like as far as like average speeds across the country go i'm on and i mean like a bubble where i have ultra fast internet and that's not how most people saw this show so i didn't have any issues with it but the majority of people ended up with these really gross gray looking like banding if you don't know what banding is it's it's this graphical artifacting that happens when uh the, the medium isn't able it's no longer able to display as many colors as it is trying to and so that's something yeah. that'll start artifacting over uh internet connection speeds that are subpar and so for example a a, a player like netflix they have engineered the crap out of that to make it like fantastic quality no matter what sort of internet connection you have because that's their thing and they have like the best people on that and hbo has their content gated off to their own thing where their quality is just not up to that of other streaming services and so that's where a lot of these complaints came from about i can't fucking see anything because they literally didn't have the technological architecture in place for people to be able to see their own show which they make the color and lighting decisions on themselves and then so for the cinematographer to be like i it was lit because i lit it and i know it was that just came off as (laughs) bullshit to me yeah yeah i also feel like i don't know there was just like a lot of people who i mean i feel like there was like a a lot of like frustration because i feel like it was um it's like one media critic that I really like was just like talking about how like, oh, she just like assumed that it wasn't lit well. And I feel like, well, I feel like Game of Thrones knows what they're doing. But I also feel like I wish they'd taken mm-hmm. like the criticisms that it was too dark more seriously, because I feel like people have been complaining about this for a very long time. Like, it's not like a new complaint. I think it was just like especially bad for this episode. Um, right. Yeah. It's especially a disconnect, though, with like the television medium. Because this show is being lit perfectly for, like, movie theaters, but it's also not shown in movie theaters. Mm -hmm. So there's this weird, like, corporate or something disconnect, I feel like, where the the creative people who are working on the show aren't taking into account that most of the people are watching this, like, on 32-inch screens in their, like, living room with ambient light. Mm -hmm. And then there's people who are, like... I don't know, varying more towards, like, you could call me, like, a cinephile or something, where I sit in my living room with, like, blackout curtains, and I make it the ideal experience, but that's not how everyone is watching it, or that's not how most people are watching it. Yeah, exactly. And I think about how, like, TV used to be, like, when I would watch, like, network TV on this, like, tube television set with, like, a huge glare (laughs) on it. And it's like, that's still what television is like for, for a lot of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily tube TVs. I, some people have tube TVs, I, <laughs> I, I think. but Still watching in like black and white. But the medium of television has to be taken into account when you're making a show for television. Or it's then I would ask the question of, do you understand what you're doing? And I know that like Game of Thrones has really gone beyond what people's original interpretation of television was. And it's become more of this blend of film and television, but you still have to think about the actual device that your content is being displayed on. And so, like, if you're a YouTuber, you need to optimize your content for people watching on their phones. Like, you wouldn't color something 
to be watched in a cinema because then people would be sitting on their phones in the cafeteria or whatever and just looking at a blank screen. Anyway, I went off. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. I am very curious. So um, we know nothing about what's going to happen in the future well, in the le- next three episodes of Game of Thrones. So um, I'm curious. What do you guys think, like, of all things, like, what do you hope, but what do you think is going to happen? Because I already said my thing with, like, I Night want... King has a twin brother was your thing, right? Day King. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> He's the king of the living. It's just John fucking Snow. But, um, no, my my hope was that, like, the situation with Bran, that whole, like, weird stare down and, like, his cut thing is going to play into the dead still being a threat and the living not surviving at the end. But uh, what do you guys think is going to happen? Like, just a random guess or kind of like a wish or something. I still really want to see, like, the Azor High prophecy come together in, like, a, a really coherent way. It's so, like I want there to be, like, a really cool, like, sacrifice between, like, either Danny or John. Um, I think that would be cool. And come full circle, you know? Yeah, that would be cool. But as far as, like, what I think is going to happen, I honestly have, like, no idea. Like, <laughs> I feel like after this last episode, I just like kind of don't even really want to like guess because I was just so disappointed. Like a way I tried to frame it was like, maybe this is, I don't actually believe this, but a way I was thinking about framing it was like, is it, could it be a good thing that we were all taken so off guard by the undead being defeated in the middle of the episode? Like, is this a classic Game of Thrones plot twist? That no one saw coming? I don't think so. No. I don't think it was a plot twist. I think it was... Mostly because, like, it it was just, like, it definitely subverted expectations, which I guess maybe you could consider a plot twist, but... um, I don't know, because I think there were a lot of people who didn't really go into the themes of the show and stuff who did fully expect the Night King to be defeated. Yeah. I... And so in like that that's... regard, it doesn't work as a plot twist. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, it just <laughs> yeah. feels like bad writing. It feels like they just were like, okay, and now it's... it's... We're just going back and forth on what, what on earth this episode was about. <laughs> like, it's just beyond description. I guess, just talking about the rest of the show and wrapping up mythos and stuff, I need to see some brand... What is his fucking name? The uh, the three uh th- the three toad sloth, the three eyed raven. raven. I need to see some more three eyed <laughs> raven uh payoff. Nine toes. But I've also always had this. Th- there's been a theory that I have liked for a long time, and I got more solidly into it in season seven when the hound started to see fucking visions in the flames. Mm-hmm. Where I think if this Azora High prophecy is going to pay off, it's going to be that the Hound is Azora High, because he has had this contentious thing with fire over eight seasons now, and I, I think it would just be this cool thematic thing for him to come back. And I don't know if he's gonna literally wield a flaming sword, but that's part of the at least the book prophecy. Mm-hmm. I think it's in the show too, in season two, when Melisandre has Stannis like put gasoline on his sword or whatever yeah um <laughs> hey it's him look it, it's really him um and so i think if 
if someone is going to be revealed to be Azora High, which I feel like would be a cop-out if they weren't, um, I feel like it would be the Hound because his arc hasn't been paid off and there's three episodes left and he had visions and he hates fire and I just think he's Azor Ahai or whatever the equivalent is in this iteration of, of Westerosi history, I guess. I think, yeah, I don't know if it's Azor Ahai. I think it's just like the prince that was promised. And then there's like that conversation they had last season. Right. Oh, it could be a girl. Right. And the show is the genderless being who was promised. Yes. They, in the books, it's called Azora High, but that doesn't make it into the show. But it, it remains the same prophecy overall. Huh. It's a lot. This is definitely a lot. I will say this. The episode, you know, did a great job of making me really want to see the next episodes <laughs> because I want to see where this goes. Yeah. it's You know what's weird? It reminded me so much of episode 8 of Star Wars. Because of the whole, like, I just, like, I was literally having, like, flashbacks of, like, Ray killing what's-his-face. Um, damn it, what's-his-name? Um, Snoke, My yeah. Snoke. Almost did it the exact, almost did it, like, such a similar way, you know? Where it's, like, you have this really powerful thing that, like, has, like, unbelievable reflexes. And then he just gets killed and, like, one, like, how did he not see it coming kind of thing? Um, and... Like especially at the end of episode eight of Star Wars, like I was, I was just really disappointed. But at the same time, I really wanted to see like what the hell is gonna happen next. And it's like the same thing for this episode of Game of Thrones. So, regardless, I'm still excited. My excitement hasn't toned down. Like disappointment, yeah. But man, if the Night King shows back up, it's just I. I'll be so happy. I'll start crying seeing him. I'm just like, thank you for coming back. I miss you so much. You're my favorite character. It'll just make me know that he's not a little bitch from this episode. What? What a conclusion. What a conclusion. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh man. Because that's what he is. He got killed by a. How old is Arya in the show? Not not her act. Arya is no one. She's like. She's like. Oh yeah, it's true. But. She's also, I think, 18, right? She got, he got killed. He had an entire undead army. He got killed by an 18-year-old badass little girl. He wanted to take two hours to walk up to Bran and look <laughs> at him. Like, with, yeah, I know. Okay, but I'm telling you, there's got to be some significance to that. There's, like, or it's just, like, really lame, like, bad guy, like, just looking at you, preparing to kill you, and then dies, you know? I think what I'll be most so. relieved for is when the season and the show are over and we can all take off our fucking tinfoil hats. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to take them off. Because <laughs> I have multiple ones on. My nightmare is that the show ends like the fucking Sopranos ends. Like the Sopranos? I don't remember. I don't know how the Sopranos Cut ends. to black. Because Tony got whacked, right? What? Nobody fucking knows. Oh. I believe the assumption well, is that he did. But once again, nobody knows. The Night King looks at the camera, winks. Wait, the, wait the Night King's back. <laughs> <laughs> no, like he doesn't. He doesn't make any appearance at all in these next three episodes until the last like one minute of the episode, and then he winks at the camera with his army behind him. That's the end. 
We've made a lot of progress repairing the show, and I hope that they take all of our input into account before <laughs> the next sure episode. Will. Even though they've already directed and edited everything, and we'll do uh, like a. Hey, here's a better version of your script. Here you go. They're Fix like, it. oh, I didn't think of this. They completely redo it. I'm sure that at least by the end of the show, if not sooner, we'll probably talk more Game of Thrones. I guess it just depends Hopefully how many be things positive. happen on each episode and whether or not there were. I can see four being filler, and then I would expect like five to start paying off a lot of stuff because the second to last episode in every season has always been the big one. Yeah, but this is also the final season too. Right. So, um, yeah, I I think the the next episode's only like an hour, so it's more than likely gonna be filler. Yeah. But they do have a lot the of end. questions. Too. We'll fast travel is, back down to <laughs> King's Landing. <laughs> but they can't because there's enemies go nearby. Go then you don't have to worry about anything. Or not Yunkai? What's the name of the? Never mind. It's the place Masami. No, they got a marine. They got to fight for the. No, they got to fight for the north. No, the the island we've never seen before. Where island. where Masandi came the... from? Oh yeah, oh. I was gonna say like. Where Grey Worm and her are gonna take a vacation. In... Yeah. 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 And then the the Entertainment Weekly article that that was written up before the show premiered teased that the show would end in a location we've never seen before. What is it? Just like. Well, I don't have that answer. <laughs> yeah. <but I> <laughs> Give it to me. Give me that answer right now. <laughs> Oh, I would. I just. I desire answers above anything else. That's all. All right. Well, we're gonna step into the like portal. It's gonna be the Batman. first. Time. Like, <laughs> I desire the truth above everything else. But oh well, we can't oh, win them all. No. <laughs> I think. Uh, it, the, I think that's all. Step into a portal. I think that's all we've got. Be the first episode of The Sopranos. Uh, it's a backdoor <laughs> pilot for a show that already had its run. <laughs> They're connected. <laughs> well, no, it's gonna be that that whole Sesame Street bit with uh, Game of Thrones. That's actually gonna be canon to the show. So, all right, let's just get all of our endings out of the way. I guess <laughs> let's just get all of our joke endings out of the way. And they're gonna see the Avengers. They're gonna be like, "Oh fuck!" Okay, those are my, <laughs> those are my three endings. So you just want the show to end with any crossover, and you'll be satisfied. <laughs> Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> no, doesn't it explain like in the trailer Sonic like runs into a portal like Oh yeah he goes, goes the Earth fucking rings have portals. Yeah. So that same thing he's gonna instead of going to Green Hill Zone, he's gonna go to Westeros. The, the season finale and, will fade to black and we'll hear Living in a gangster's paradise. <laughs> no, we're gonna hear. Living in a gangster's paradise. That's how it'll end. It's gonna cut, cut the black, and you're gonna hear the bass line to fucking uh, Escape from the City. It's <laughs> gonna be the end credits of Game of Thrones. It's gonna cut to black, and you're gonna hear, "Welcome to the Hit Point, pals." This is Travis Lee. <laughs> like, wait a second. Who's that behind you? Wait, what? It's all of. <laughs> Now I'm. <laughs> what if you're him? Then in, who am I? I'm in. <laughs> Where are we? I'm you, but you're me. I'm lost. <laughs>
Honestly, I could keep going if you want me to. I'll keep doing nope, it. Nope, that'll just about do it for us <laughs> on the podcast. Um, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> Please. At, at Hit Point Pals. Um, there's some links to news we've talked about in the description of this episode. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about more games and maybe Game of Thrones. Um anyone have any really good anyone who's not Caleb have any really good parting wisdom that they'd like to leave us with to close this episode out reduce reuse recycle Dude, I feel good after that. Like I just had all this like <laughs> Game cathartic. of Thrones fucking just angst. <laughs> yeah. Can we tell? Okay, when Liana, when Liana Mormont gets like hit by the giant, I thought she was just gonna die. I was like, Me Dude, too. Because I was like, okay, this is like a sad moment. We get this. It's a character's well, death. She's a young girl. That's what I'm saying. House. Is the is the show has taught us how people die in this world. Yeah. And yes. then it goes back on it and, and then, reverts to think, like Hollywood action movies. Yeah. She then she gets smacked to the side and I'm like, she's dead. Yeah. That was uh, as far as characters go, I think that's a fine death. She was a really cool character. She's done. And that fits. Then she gets up, she gets her cool charge, then she gets picked up by the giant and then I thought, okay, we were supposed to we were led to believe she would kill it and then he's going to crush her. No, she stabs him in the eye in this heroic moment and it's like this doesn't feel like Game of Thrones like at all. Yeah. That was weird. Like oh. she was a she was a funny character but like they were explaining that they didn't want her to be a one bit character but I felt like she should have. <laughs> or like just keep her like, you know, how the whole King of the North thing where they're making John the King of the North and those speeches like she's finding those and just kill the her. The King of the North. Yeah. I'm just like kill the little girl. Do it. I will say for me uh, uh, like a highlight in this episode and in the show as a whole at least for me like, like I said during the podcast was that lead up before we see the undead army. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's I ju- I just get so uncomfortable, and then when we finally do see them hit the unsullied like a wave. Oh yeah, that it was, was this. It was crazy. just immensely uncomfortable to me, and just like oh god. Or when the Dothraki charge out is like I don't understand why, but we see their flaming swords and they like go out. out. Like, that's so cool. That and it's bad. like this is so cool. Like this is this is great stuff visually. Like the music, everything about this, the quiet, it's killing me. And then, yeah, the last, like... Now just imagine good writing with that. <laughs> the, yeah, oh, the last yeah. minutes of the episode, just, like, make it all whatever. I also really liked the big sort of, like, dragon fight in the clouds. Oh, that was, that was awesome. It was, like, so otherworldly, and I was just like, yes, this is magic. This is so fucking cool. But I wish, yeah, I wish I had been more of that. Yeah, it's kind of like the scene in The Matrix where they go above the clouds for a second. <laughs> Or like wow. in Pacific Rim when they take that fucking <laughs> winged thing up into outer space for a few minutes. 
and they pull out the sword and slice it. Dude. They just need to have the Pacific Rim director write this show. Oh, uh, another thing. Um, at the end of episode two, you, you know, at the end of every uh, every episode, you get that little preview for the next episode. Yeah. There's a part where um, Varus looks down what I assumed was a dark hallway in the catacombs, in the crypts. And I thought, okay, the dead are going to come to life and Varus is going to die there. about the crypts. Yeah, we... we oh, yeah. none of them died. We're still on this damn Game of Thrones topic. But, um, <laughs> so... I, I Varus uh, is told by uh, Melisandre that he will die in this land too. I assume that'll be later, but I thought he was going to die in the crypts. Instead, we just see unnamed like women die. Yeah, I was so convinced that like Tyrion and Sansa would just like commit suicide. <laughs> That's what I thought. They held these daggers and they looked like they were going to do some seppuku and and it was it was playing such sad music and I was like, they I know. And suicide. And I think if they did like, that, I would have that would have. Yeah, like holy fuck, like they just killed each other or killed themselves, like. It's like my last then, bit of hope. What? They're they they're going down the hall in the crypt, and then we see Varus is just with some people in a corner. It's just bald <laughs> fucking. But also, head. like, talk about like a like a like a weightless moment that's it plays out like it's just like for some keep horror scares, like. It's just horror movie shots. You see the hands come out of the coffins. You see people get dragged away. You see people screaming and running. You see people's reacting, like people's reaction shots. It's just like for a few minutes, it's straight out of a horror movie and it has no consequence to the rest of the story. And they almost immediately become dead again after, just become bones. So the reason I criticize that whole um, fucking... Arya materializing out of nowhere thing was um, that whole stealth mission she had. Like, where she was in the crypt, and then, um, like, she was underneath the bed, and blood started dripping, right? And, like, the zombies are like, or the, sorry, the whites were like, <gasps> like, they hear it immediately and found her, and, or, you know, like, they, they're they super sensitive to sound, what it seemed like, right? Well, cut to the end of the episode. And you have this entire army surrounding Bran, basically. And then all of a sudden, like, ah, basically. Well, see, like, you're reading that I'm... on you're reading that as Arya is a young girl who's running at the Night King. And I'm reading that as Arya has supernatural powers that she's learned from the mm -hmm. faceless men. Well, no, no, no. I, I understand that. But just like, I, I don't know. Fuck. <laughs> I guess I would have been more okay with Arya killing the Night King if she had also then died. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. Each other. Yeah. Like, My last I bit mean, of hope was like uh, the Night King killing Arya. Like when he grabbed her throat, I legit thought she was dead. And I was like, holy fuck. Like if, if he did that, killed her and then killed Bran, like, you know, like, holy fuck. But... I mean, to be fair, I didn't expect the whole dagger thing because I, I was like, come on, you guys are better than that. But it did it. And I was like, ah. Yeah, it was it, like I went from being like Bean. really an anticipating <laughs> the death of Arya to being disappointed with the outcome overall. So oh, mm -hmm. what, is, what is this? Unexpected new updated Sonic trailer? What? what have you sent? All right, let's see. 
There he is. Oh, oh no. Oh no, he's a fucking tripped over the coffee table. Fucking <laughs> Oh, that was. Oh, there's audio? <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize it had audio. There's the Gangster's Paradise. And spending most of our lives living in paradise. She just yells at him. Oh no. Oh no. Is that his bare ass? Yeah. <laughs> it is. 